the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. AV Week is produced and distributed through a partnership with AV Nation and Rave Publications. For more information, go to ravepubs.com forward slash AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 29 for Friday, February 17th, 2012. Service pack 813. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. This is AV Week. AV. AV Week. It's time for AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. I am your host, Tim Albright. Welcome to the show. Uh, this week we have George Tucker live from Yonkers, or where... Where the freak are you? Today, today I'm bivouacked in uh, the swamps of New Jersey, Secaucus. Wow, the swamps of New Jersey, Secaucus. He's from uh, World Stage. He's an engineering coordinator, but he's also at uh, Tucker Twos on Twitter. Uh, Dawn Mead, she is a fabulous consultant and blogger. You need her. Trust me. Uh, she is an <laughs> AV Dawn. How are you, ma'am? Very good. Thank you. Uh, also, across from the desk from me is Michael Drainer. He's the Sound and AV System Manager for Tech Electronics. Hello, everyone. Don't let the name fool you. He's just a silly little man. This is true. <laughs> and also, this is a special edition for us because I'm really excited about this. Uh, Tom Andre is on the on the line from us. He is from uh, he's up from he's in Australia right now. Uh, he's the associate editor of Audioholics as well as the host of a fabulous AV podcast called AV Rant. Welcome, sir. Thank you. Glad to be here. Uh, this week we're so, going to talk about uh, Google AV, which sounds kind of funny to me, but uh, I like Google, so you know what the heck. Uh, wireless speakers, advice for the AV noob by the aforementioned AV Dawn, and, uh, and a couple other things. But first, we're going to talk about Cisco objecting to the Microsoft Skype marriage. Now, this is this was done kind of. You know, I don't know. I think it was kind of snarky and, and underhanded, but it's also business. Uh, basically, what happened was Microsoft and, and Skype are, are trying to do a merger, right? And full disclosure, we use Skype. We use Skype every single week. That's how we do our show. Um, as I mentioned, Tom's in Australia. You know, I, I don't have an ISD in line down there. So uh, that would be expensive, wouldn't it? And probably, yeah, uh, yeah, it, yeah. And probably <laughs> impossible at this point. And archaic. No, I like highest. Anyhow. Um, He's showing his age now. I am. Uh, so anyhow, so Microsoft and Skype are trying to get together, and it's a really cool thing and really big business. And we're talking about lots of money here and uh, $8.5 billion, so we're, you know, this is not chump change. And the uh, this is this is part of the, e, in the, the EU part, and the EU gives people basically a year that says anybody that wants to object, uh, you can do so. And so they've had a year. And Cisco's like, eh, you know, twiddling th- their thumbs. I'm, I'm listening. I'm hearing the, the Jeopardy music in, the, in my head. Go, you know, duh, duh, duh. And finally Cisco goes, wait just a second, you know. Uh, it's, it's, it's akin to, you know, the, the, the marriage ceremony and the priest says, speak now or forever, hold your peace. And Cisco stop, pops up and says, you wait. can't marry her. I love her and she's carrying my baby. Uh, 
<laughs> so here's the question, and they they raise some legitimate concerns. One is the fact that they don't want Microsoft to pull the quote unquote typical Microsoft thing by slapping some proprietary um, codex on there, and they want to make sure that Skype works for everybody. Um, so it, George, we'll start with you on this. Is this is this just business as usual, or has Cisco done something on purpose by waiting until the last minute? I suspect the latter, definitely. Uh, I think they were waiting for the last possible minute to, to throw the, a, a wrench into the works. Um, I also, though, my first thought when I read this was, um, anyone remember Duck Soup, the Marx Brothers? Mm. There's, a, there's, an, there's a point in it where uh, Chico says, I object, and Firefly, Mark, um, Groucho says, well, objection sustained, even though it's against him. It's like, because I couldn't think of anything else to say, so I object. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> why wait to the last minute? Yes, the concerns about a proprietary um, uh, element being put in that would hurt their business is a real concern. But you wait this long? I don't think the documentation was that really in-depth for them to take this long to finally say, oh, we, we took us this long to read it. It was in Belgium. Uh, yeah, well, still. <laughs> is that, that like that's an excuse? I don't know. I don't know. Um, but no, I, I mean, I, I, there's a little bit more of this going on, of course. We've talked about this in the past with other companies putting up suits or claiming fraudulent episodes or patent infringements, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm just getting tired of it. It makes me think of Cisco in a whole different light of stop. You're just inhibiting progress. Well, and is it maybe because I, – I don't know. Michael, do you think that maybe it's because – um, they, it took them a year to get through the, the, the documentation or because it, there's not, I don't know. Do you think maybe that, or is it because, you know, they see a, a market benefit to doing this? I can't speak to the strategy. I can just say, I'm surprised that they're the first ones that have, uh, come out and said, stop. Where's, uh, where's Polycom? Where's life size? Where's, uh, Sony and the other folks that are heavily engaged in the video teleconferencing space. Um, you know, I can definitely see where marriage between um, Microsoft and Skype is potentially disrupting the the uh, competition. And, you know, Microsoft's been making leaps and bounds to partner with these other companies via their link server and making sure that video is seamless. Now they're bringing their own video element in-house. So why wouldn't they, say, hold the presses? Now, why they waited to the last minute, I don't know. Um, you know, we have to get into the head of some folks that that made those decisions. But, um, like I said, where's everyone else? Don though, isn't this something that we've kind of waited for in, in terms of video conferencing in general? I mean, the typical video codec and, and Michael's an integrator, so he can correct me on this. I mean, I'm, I'm list price. I'm spending between 10 and 15,000 roughly. Is that, is that fair? For an, for a higher end? Well, it depends on who you're talking to, uh, but, but yeah, in yeah, 15,000 in yeah. general. So 10, 15 grand. Um, Don, isn't this marriage between Microsoft and Skype a good thing for the end user where, says, where, where, where they say, you know what, just give me a computer and, and an internet connection in the classroom or in the research facility and you've got a video conferencing system? Well, I mean, I can see the benefits for for the end user in pairing somebody large and established as Microsoft with Skype, but... As a cynical longtime Windows user, I got to say, as soon as I heard this news a year ago, I was like, oh, God, there goes Skype. Now what are we going to use? Yeah. Because, as, you know, as soon as Microsoft gets involved, 
everything becomes more complex. They they go with the you know all the changing, making things proprietary. All the end user agreements changes. Everything is to the benefit of Microsoft. It seems. And it just becomes such a hassle, whereas Skype, God bless the inventors of Skype, because it is such a fabulous service, you know, and I've only recently started using it since we've been doing the podcast, and I love it, you know, and and I fear that the marriage of Microsoft with Skype will bring problems to an already fabulous service. What service pack are you running? I'm sorry. Service pack. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it, Microsoft makes things so complex. And, you know, I mean, granted, they, they invented all this. I mean, they, they were right at the forefront. Without Microsoft, where would we be today? You know, and, and they bring so many resources to <laughs> Skype, but they're also a pain in the tuchus. Stir, oh. stir that Kool-Aid a little more there, oh, will you? Come on, God. <laughs> I mean, she has a good point, though. I mean, yes, where would we be without Microsoft? Because good Lord, I mean, and, and I love Apple, <laughs> but good Lord, where would we be if if Jobs had won the race in '84? Seriously, I mean, I'm kind of glad that that Gates, at least in Microsoft, won um, on the offset because it did give us a lot of diversity and it did give us a lot of competition and stuff. Tom, do you think that this is a good idea or is it just kind of Cisco, you know, throwing you know throwing fly in the ointment? Well. I had the same reaction Don did when uh, Skype got Skype and Microsoft started talking. I started slamming my head against my desk during <laughs> during a, a podcast. Just going, you know, I mean, because I've used the other services, I've tried them all for one reason or another, including Ubu and and a couple that I can't even remember because they were so fly, uh, you know, uh, fly by night. Um, so I was I wasn't happy about it either, and I, I have the same fears. But I, to me, it, it seems obvious that what happened over at Cisco is they all took a look at this thing. I mean, because the first day it came out, they were on it. They probably got it the night before it stole it off of somebody on a train, like, you know, trading spaces or something like that. And they're all looking at it and their lawyers are going, yeah, man, we got nothing. We got nothing here. We, I mean, <laughs> uh, let's object at the 12th hour because that'll at least extend this thing for a little bit longer. <laughs> you know, that, that's what we're going to do. We'll do that. Just uh, some in time. fact, you have to pay us uh, for an hour a day between now and then, you know, oh, so we wow. can make a little, you know, as we prepare for our objection. Uh, okay. To me, that's that's what it looks like. I mean, it looks uh, like they don't really have much of a leg to stand on. And I mean, of course, Cisco objects to it. They're like, yeah, this is bad for us. It's horrible. We shouldn't let this happen. So... You know, I mean, I can. Sorry, was you say what's that line from Blazing Saddles? Gentlemen, we have to save our phony baloney jobs. Yeah, (laughs) basically, basically it. You know, and you know, I'm I I have not used Cisco that much. I'm not. That's not my realm. But uh, I have used Skype quite a bit, so I could see why somebody would be afraid of it. Well, and I haven't used Cisco that much that either, except for the fact that now they own Tanberg. So yeah, I have. So and they own Linksys. Yeah, and they well, yeah. Well, yeah, I guess I have, because that's, that's what I have at the house, is, is a Linksys uh, wireless router. Oh, so. you poor soul. Oh, be cool. You know what? <laughs> if I had a friend who was a really good, like, computer engineer and networking guy and a really good audio engineer... They're really I'd hard be, to find. Th- you know? I know. Where would you find one of I those? I don't know. I just... Man. I would, I would give him lots and lots of money. I'd take him out to eat. I'd work out with him. To, I'd do whatever he wanted to do. You know what's a shame is that he takes you out to eat. <laughs> This whole thing's getting creepy. Anyhow, <laughs> I, mean, I'm, I am literally married 12,000 miles away from this conversation, and I'm freaked out. 12,000. You would have to get on the plane for 30 hours to get to me, oh, and I thank you if you would not. 
All right. Um, The way we do this show is we we put together a a delicious feed. And if you don't want to delicious, go to delicious.com. It's a really good link. um, Really good. It's a decent link system (laughs) uh, uh, website. Uh, The best one I've found so far. And um, he was cursing it only moments before the podcast (laughs) was showing up. Um, It's kind of all right. It it works. You know, it works. It's the Microsoft of. It is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Only now Google owns them, so you know. Um, so anyhow, so we, we put together this link list and, and we, we shoot everything together. And I was I was going through the list, going, all right, we have we have this Google story, we have this Google story. We've got like three or four Google. Holy cow, we're talking about Google on an AV podcast, which I mean, I, I, I guess if you want to get cynical, and you know that Google's trying to, to run the world. I guess it was inevitable if you want to take that that aspect. Um, but they've got a couple stories in here, and and Tom, we'll, we'll start with you on this. Uh, one was the the fact that the Google's working on this entertainment center, um, and the other one is is the they're working on something similar to um, AirPlay for for uh, for Google. AirPlay is actually. Um, is actually Apple's uh, software, but they're working on something similar to where you can you can shoot things from your tablet or your phone onto a device that has Google TV. And also, they released some updates this week. They're doing uh, YouTube Live, uh, which is integrating into into your Google TV, which allows you to allows content creators like like if you or me uh, as podcast guys, we could live stream if we wanted to to YouTube Live. So it's a, it's another just upgrade from YouTube. Um, is this yeah, a natural? Go ahead. You know, YouTube is already so well edited. We what we need is a little bit more less editing yes. on YouTube right now. <laughs> yeah. Let's live stream it all. That's a fantastic idea. Well, uh, I I just now I I've had a lot of experience. Not a lot. Not as much as many. But uh, I I've recently bought a Mac in the last couple of years. I've got an iPod uh, Touch. I've got an iPad. The first one when it first came out. Um, so I was all set to buy an iPhone recently when I decided to upgrade my, when I decided, when I made an ultimatum to my wife and said, I've got to have a new phone. I can't take it anymore. <laughs> so, uh, I, I was all set to go get an iPhone 4S and I walked into the store and the guy was there. He's like, Hey, uh, do you, uh, try the new Samsung Galaxy Nexus? I'm like, Oh no. He goes, uh, do you want to? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, Give me fifty dollars yeah, and come around the corner. I've got no, some stuff in my no, trunk is, for this you. This is absolutely true. The guy looked both ways, <laughs> went into the back of the store through a, through a door, came back out, looked both ways again, oh kind of motioned me over, and then handed it to me. And I was like, "This is by far the sexiest phone I've ever touched." And I bought one. I, I immediately went out and bought one. So my when I heard that Google was thinking about an AirPlay and more streaming options and that sort of thing. I think that's great. You know, I am definitely ready for uh, that sort of uh, of competition because while you know Apple AirPlay is great and uh, I've used it a little bit, you know, in order you, know, you get that sort of sense about Apple when you're using their products. It's like, wow, this is it just it, it works and it's nice, but it I always feel like there's somebody behind me going, yeah, don't press that button. <laughs> <laughs> That button right there is not for you. That's not your button. <laughs> well, that's, Please, why, that's why they took that's our home button off the iPad. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's a developer button, sir. Um, you're not allowed to, you're, not, you're a user. Please don't touch that button. You know what I mean? There's, you always feel like they're, they're right there going, yeah, you're doing it right now. Go ahead. Yeah, you're fine. <laughs> you know, they, you always feel like they're right there. Whereas when I, 
my sense when I got my uh, my Android the ice cream sandwich, you know, you know, no overlaid interface from HTC or anybody else phone was wow, it's really open. I feel very unfettered by this thing, which means there's tons of people trying to put viruses on this. But you know, <laughs> other than that, it was it, it was a it was a nice feeling as compared to when you go to the Apple store. You're like, it's just all you can have whatever flavor of vanilla you like, sir. We have lots of them. <laughs> Does anyone else see the irony of his statements, considering that the most famous Apple commercial of all time was the 1984 mm-hmm. Big Brother is watching, referring to Microsoft and the, and the Windows people? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's, it's yeah. come full circle, huh? It pretty much. I absolutely agree with that. And, uh, yeah, and, and I do love their products, and I don't, I'm not I'm – not, in any way putting them down but i think it's it would be good to see more of this because you know while the iphone is the you know one of the highest selling phones of all times or whatever if you look at the android operating system they're on so many more devices and to have something that you can integrate into that that could be used in more in lots and lots of places i think that's a good thing and and i agree i was just wondering if maybe this was i i don't know i mean i guess this is the natural progression um for for Google, I mean they they have gone from obviously an, an insanely genius algorithm that searches the internet to content uh, not creators but content media, uh, mediators. So uh, my thing with Google, if I could just say it before you, I'm sure you need to get somebody else in here. But my thing with Google is not that they're so great at creating things. Uh, with Google, it always seems to me that whenever they come up with something brand new, it's just usually not very great. But what they do really well is somebody else comes up with something and they go, hey, why about we could do that better? And they do. And that's why when they say they're going to put out something like Google TV, you know, in and of itself, there is nothing wrong with that. It's just not something the public has understood and, and latched onto. Whereas something where they we've already got Apple saying, hey, we have AirPlay. Google's got we got a different AirPlay. You're almost to me that they're going to be able to do it in a way that I'm probably going to end up liking it better. Well, I think it's also I think you're right when it comes to the number of devices. Um, I have a Nexus, a Samsung Nexus, as for the exact same reason that, that you were talking about the Galaxy, because it doesn't have any wrapper on it, and that's what I wanted. I wanted pure, unadulterated Android. Um, my wife has an iPhone simply because of, of the whole, you know, looking over the shoulder, you know, don't touch that button thing since. Uh, because, you know, there, there were different, peop- different devices for different things. But with the number of people, the number of devices with, with Android on it, um, I don't know the actual numbers, but I, I believe that they've, they've surpassed uh, iPhone, iOS devices now. So mm-hmm. you've got a market there, and then you've got this little thing over here called Google TV that, that has not quite gotten out of the box yet. I and mean, they still, yeah, yeah, they've got, you know... Um, this device and that device, and they've got a couple TVs. Um, if you listen to Eric Schmidt, by the end of this of this uh, calendar year, 2012, they're going to be everywhere. So this AirPlay thing makes sense to me because whether it's my Nexus and it's Netflix streaming, or it's a video I took of my kid, or it's you know a, a, a Galaxy Tab, you know the the and one of the Android tablets, uh, or it's you know and it's crazy here, even from my laptop, and I'm running Chrome. You know, in theory, you should be able to throw anything else that you want that you that's on the same network up on your TV, and I think that I think people can wrap their brain around that more than they can, you know, an HDMI pass-through device that just searches everything for whatever content you want. So, so let me just hit the market saturation that you're talking about there. 
Hey, let me pose this to the group. Is this an issue of demand for Android devices, or is it simply a price point issue that gains greater volume? Because I have both. I've got the iPad, and I've got the Galaxy Tab, and I've got my old-school BlackBerry, by the way. Don't make fun of me. Um, <laughs> but I gravitate to the iPad, right? I, I, it's just it's, it's so user-friendly. Um, the applications I need are readily available all the time, and you know what? They just flat-out work, period, in the conversation. I've got so many apps on my tab that you know they're finicky they don't work right so you know the big brother mentality i don't like that overshadowing apple feel that you're talking about there tom but at the same time if it works it works and uh, that's where i'm going with that so you know that market saturation i think is strictly the 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 result of google's economization of the product yeah but yeah. the, but the same can be said for Microsoft in in the late eighties, early nineties. I mean that's that's what they did is they said you know here is now they didn't give it away like 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 uh, Google has right. But they said you know here here's a piece of software, here's an OS, um, put it on whatever you want, and, and that's how they beat Apple the first but time. You, but you know what? You just made a critical point though. They don't give it away, and that's that's my fear with Google. To be honest with you, is nothing is free. Well, no, nothing's free. What's, what's the cost in the long run? Your data. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And that's that's how they make their money. Dawn, you've got, you have an Android device, if I'm not mistaken. I've got several. Is, I, I am a Google girl. And, and is this something that, that makes sense for you or even for end users? Or is it, you know, like Michael said, it, because Apple just works, is that something where we should start, you know, um, pushing more toward, people towards? You know, I mean, Apple does just work to a point, but but it's also finicky. Um, right at the same time my husband and I got our Android phones, within a week of that, he had started a new job, and they issued him an iPhone. And so he had. Ne- we went from BlackBerry, so neither of us had previous experience with Android. Neither of us had previous experience with iPhone or iPad or anything. And it was a side-by-side, fresh-from-the-box comparison. And, you know, the entire tenure he worked for that company, his iPhone ended up plugged in and just sitting beside his bed with everything <laughs> ported over to the Android phone. Because with, within a couple of days, he's like, this, this is horrible. I can't use it. And, and he used his Android phone almost exclusively. Um, so, you know, it, it depends who you are and what you're looking for out of the experience. I isn't for everybody. We're not I people. We're Google people, you know. And the G people. And then G people, yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I have to say, I tend to like that Google is going into this realm where they're trying to integrate hardware and software and manufacture and sell both, but kind of. I like it, and I'm fearful of it. Um, I like it because it gives me one platform or infrastructure that I can build a lot of stuff on. <clears throat> it means that as a integrator slash in, um, developer salesperson, I can say, I can add that to your system, and here's the minimum cost to do that. I know that integrators don't always like this because the the profit margins and stuff get less and less, but there's a a, a comfort feeling to saying this is my mass market um, hit. I can actually make home automation or home theater control a mass market item very simply. My concern about it, though, is that Google has – I think Zadi from our DIY show has tagged Google <laughs> as doing – it's a 20 percentile thing. 
where they they only about 20% of what they actually put out there they, they, they actually follow through with, and the rest of them they go, well, no one's really going to take this from us, fine, and it drops. I mean, look what they did to yeah. Blogger. Blogger's okay tool, but they and look what they did to uh, was a blog lines. I think they owned for a while, and that's sort of like just a dead thing. Uh, it's akin to what Facebook did when they bought FriendFeed. Oh, we've got this thing. We're going to buy this technology, and it just just went nowhere. Um, so I like it from a perspective of me of I can actually add on things, and if I'm really really innovative, I can have guys writing software for it so that I can create my own templates and my own control stuff. Um, I get worried when they're going to go after people like Sonos because they've been in the game a long time uh, and they've got a really hardcore dedicated group of, of customers. And does Google have that? They have people who really like them and you say you're a Google girl or a Google gal, but are you as fanatical as, say, the Sonos purchasers? Right. And that's where your profit's going to come from and your re recurring revenue. Sorry. Well, and the re reality is, I mean, there are very few people out there tattooing, you know, Google's logo on their body. But you see people with, and I don't know about Sonos, but you see people with like, you know, Apple and things, tattoos. I mean, that, that's some hardcore, yeah. you know, cult right it's there. It's a status symbol. Um, it, exactly. Exactly. But um, I thought that's just what Steve Jobs mixes women wear. I thought that's what <laughs> they did. Uh, I wasn't part of it. I thought yeah. they, it was like a barcode on the back of their neck for all the. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, that was optional. I, that, that was, was in optional. the that was in the biography. Um, <laughs> well, that was part of the terms of use. That's not part of the terms of use. <laughs> Probably. If you have like four eye devices, you immediately have to get that. No. No, it's in the EULA. <laughs> yeah. The EULA. There you go. George, George hit on something though. I mean, is this something where not only Google, but you know, the, yes, the other eye devices you can as well. Is this something where it's giving us the opportunity to create the the software as a service thing, where we have. Uh, developers that can go, you know what? I can, Mr. Tucker, I can give you your own Tucker 2's app on your iPhone or on your Android device that you hit that and that's going to take you to your, your house and you can, you can control everything and, and, and everything like that. Is this something um, that where we can start you know, hiring developers to you know, integrate these, these iDevices or these, these Android devices? Or not? Well, I'm, were you asking me or the group? You were I was just asking the group. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were asking him. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did. I did use Mr. Tucker. So yeah. Yes, George. Is this something that we can use uh, software as a service? Well, I, and, that, and that's part of my point. Is I was that, that's where I see the excitement of it. That if they follow through, I can purchase the hardware, install the hardware, but I have this very open open sourced software to, to create stuff and maybe modify it. I mean, if it has an open source in the player, I can possibly add stuff that I want to add. Remember the whole kerfuffle that happened with uh, Hulu and being able to get it over the web or being able to get it from certain devices and uh, the content provider said, no, no, you can't do that. And they had it kept closing that hole yeah. and we kept finding loopholes for it. I like it from that aspect as well because Google can go, it's open source. We'll, we'll, we'll tell everybody for the EULA, don't do this, don't do this. But I have an option to give my client what they want, yeah. and that right. forces the hand of all this other issues we've dealing with with SOPA and COPA and all the, the Coco Cabana, even. Yes. But <laughs> right, I mean, oh, it's, you know, it all ends yeah. in bloodshed, you know. But it, that's what I really like about it. If they can, can be consistent and not drop it like they seem to, because you know, making hardware we all know is a very dicey situation for a manufacturer, well, especially when it that, hasn't had experience. Yeah, it's not something that they that they have proved they can do very well. No, not really. 
Yeah. I, um, uh, you know, from the back end part of it, what you're talking about, uh, you know, coming up with your, your custom programs, I've heard from a lot of people that have done, you know, apps for the iPhone and, and iPod, iPad and that sort of thing that, you know, just the, the difficulty of working with Apple. And I personally, because uh, I've uh, self-published a couple of books, and so I've gone in and, you know, I've worked with Amazon uh, I've worked with Barnes and Noble. I've worked with Apple, and I've worked with a, another uh, aggregator called Smashwords. And by far, Apple is the the worst. By far, the worst to work with. There's you get no information from them. Uh, their their programs that you have to use are buggy. They're very specific. If you don't do it right, they kick you out. You know, they have all sorts of requirements, and that's the sort of stuff you're not going to find. I don't think when you're developing something for an Android device. That you you do have to deal with when you're going through the big brother that is Apple. Yeah, and to and to jump in here with that, look at what we one of the articles that we we saw, uh, looked at with the uh, the the remote that's capable through this Google thing, on the right hand side showed you how many apps were being downloaded, and the rate of that app download. This is both good and bad because as an app developer, if I do it and it's very very lame, it kind of maybe put me off. But where do you find that information on Apple? You don't. Not even on our side. How hard is it for us to? We had to use a third party system, PodTrack, to know what our downloads are and what our viewership. And is, it right? didn't even do that very well. Yeah, but yeah. still, at least that we had to do a third party. But at least Google's looking at that and they've they've thought that part out partly right. Hey, we can do this. Here it is. And yes, it's yours. Do it. Right, but that said, I know we're kind of kind of beating up on the Apple train, but let's face the facts that about seventy percent of all of our show downloads come through Apple devices. True. Dun dun dun. Or, or their software, yeah, the software too. Or their software, yeah. So I mean, that just kind of gives you a, a, a clue as to what's really going on. You know, what are the people using? Yeah, but still, I mean, but that app be said too. But how many of those hits on our website come from IE six? Now, there's another statistic that you can use. What is that? Very mean? few. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. There's still enough to be concerned about it. Here, I'm going to go look it up right now because you got me. You got me. <laughs> While you go look that one, one of the oh. one of the workarounds for um, for Hulu is George mentioned a second ago was Boxy, and, and that actually brings us to our, our, our next story, which is uh, the FCC and um, our buddy Julie Jacobson uh, puts it ele- ever so eloquently. I love Julie. <laughs> Stupid FCC proposal. <laughs> Would kill basic cable. Um, Tom, you're, you're from California. You live in, in Australia now, but you're from California. So you're at least aware of it. it the first, you know, I don't know, depending on the cable system, 50 or, or 100 channels uh, on your basic cable system. You take a, an F connector. You take a, a piece of coax and you jack it in the back of your TV that has an F connector. And those are unscrambled. You can put them wherever you'd like. You can, you know, cycle up and down. And people like Boxy and people like Hop Hog have made businesses around this, where you know you can um, you know integrate unscrambled uh, cable systems, unsca- unscrambled uh, cable channels, and put them on your computer, and, and you can stream them and stuff like that, and you can record and, and do other things. Um, this this FCC ruling and it hasn't been ruled on yet, but but what the manufacturers and what the cable companies are asking is that hey, can we get rid of that whole little unscrambled thing and? And go to scrambled, uh, and uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, uh, we do a, a daily show with with Gary Kay from Ray Publications, and and Gary's thing was he thought it was actually a good thing um, because he he think you know in in I'm going to paraphrase here, and so I apologize if I jack it up too bad, but basically you know it'll help um, 
further HDMI adoption because what you'll do is you'll is everybody that will have to have some sort of set top box. In the words of the famous Julie Jacobson, "Pooey on that." <laughs> because yeah, well, HDMI is such a wonderful solution to everything. I think we should use that for you know just plugging in things. I I, I have been a long time uh, hater of HDMI for a lot of reasons. God but bless you. It, it's just you know. It, it, you know, and you can really get on if you really want to talk to somebody about it. You have Clint DeBoer of Audioholics talk about it because he's he's actually gone to Monster Cable for uh, and used some of their hundred and fifty thousand dollar equipment in order to test cable speeds and how long lengths and stuff like that for HDMI cables and all that. And it all boils down to the fact that it's just stupid. We never should have gone that way, but we have, and now we're stuck with it. But to make it more. Like they they show the little boxy uh, on the on the article here the little boxy converter they it looks like that I think it's a USB but mm-hmm. you know it's to 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 encrypt these channels of course they're going to try to do it in California but to encrypt <laughs> these channels it's just the sort of thing that just infuriates and alienates the public mm-hmm. you know you know Joe public does not understand half of them don't even know if if it, as many as have, you know, most of them don't even know that that you can get basic cable for free. Anyways, I know uh, it's been there's been plenty of times in my life where I've gone into an apartment and even though it's happened in the past, you know, or a house, and I plug it, I plug in my my cable, I go, hey, look at that works, huh? I'm getting free cable. You know, I just don't realize it, and it and it, but it does. And uh, the over the air and all that stuff, it's just is not adopted in the states the way it should be. You know, it's it's free. If you're near a big city, uh, there's so many chan- channels that you can get. But like here in Australia, it's completely common. Over the air, almost everybody does it because cable, uh, there's only one. <laughs> you think it's bad there. There's one provider and they do both satellite and, and uh, uh, you know, actual cable. And they are the kind of expensive that the cable companies in the United States could only dream of wow. and their wildest dreams. They are just insanely expensive. And then not only that, there is no widespread adoption. So if you want to get it, you have to pay for them to lay the cable to your house. So, you wow. <laughs> it's like you got to really want that. Oh man, you gotta really love uh, Australian rules football, and they do around here. But um, <laughs> you know, look up Australian rules football on, on TV, uh, on uh, you know, like YouTube, and watch a little bit of it. You'll think you accidentally stumbled onto a German channel because everybody wears uh, high socks and cut off like uh, sleeveless shirts. It's very bizarre. It's a very <laughs> bizarre like game. <laughs> <laughs> Off on that tangent, but yeah. you know. It, it, to, to, to take this kind of end around to, to, to try to, to lock more of these companies out there trying to utilize what really should be free. You know, it really should be available to everybody. It's available over the air. You know, they're just, you know, that it's that way because it's available over the air. They should be able to provide the, that through the cable as well to cut it off just to hamper widespread cord cutting. You know, it's, it, it's just another one of these, these ways that uh, innovation is being hampered uh, by the fact that these companies have no other way of of keeping their business model uh, intact. Yeah. George, what do you think? Is this is this a great thing for HDMI because you know it's such a great connector and, and transport channel, or what? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, you know, and Gary Kay, actually, our our, our friend Gary Kay, um, who. Uh, 
wrote an article counter to this saying that he thinks that it's a good thing um, because it'll finally get everyone to go to HDMI and it'll be a single solution. And he was talking up the praising of the C. Uh, okay, I always get this wrong. Is it CEC, the control protocol that's within yeah, HDMI? Yeah, CEC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, CEC. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, he said, well, think of it. You know, you everybody gets this. All you do is hook it up and it's one remote. And the minute you turn on the cable channel, the TV comes on. And then he also goes off into how the you could have vouchers for those who are not of an economic status to be able to afford the cable and all this other stuff, which I'm sure that the cable companies are rubbing their hands going, yes, government money, yes, government money. <laughs> yeah. um, Here, let's, let me write the check to you directly. Yeah, there you go. <clears throat> and here's my argument against it. <clears throat> One, just like with the digital transition, vouchers could be an option, but only for a limited amount of time. And given the current uh, political situation with money and deficits and everything else, you know that's not going to happen. Thank you very much. That's off the table. The second thing is with the HDMI, <clears throat> excuse me, the CEC doesn't even work. I mean, they're not applying themselves to the standard. These, All these manufacturers got together, said, yes, we will do this. And they didn't learn the lesson from the MIDI people. Yes, if you're going to say yes, actually do it. Don't do things like, oh, you mean if you have two Blu-ray players in the house, I shouldn't turn the other one off if you turn both on. Because what if it's going somewhere else, but it's on the same network? Mm -hmm. It just doesn't work. Now, for the standard home, it might be a a small option. But you know what? If it's going to grow, it's still a problem. It's going to hit a brick wall, and we're still not solving the problem, which is my cable company, Cablevision, just wants money. They don't care, just like the the teams that they sponsor. But I won't get into that. Um, <laughs> they don't make the cable companies don't care about you in the states anymore. What yeah. happened when I left? Well, you, you know, when, when, when you I left, you were the last one they cared about, Tom. And then you left. <laughs> I know. They're like, oh, we give up. That guy's gone. There's no point He's being in business forever. anymore. I would, I would, I would, I would do a conspiracy theory thinking I may they may have shipped you out just to get rid of the one guy that they were. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah so it would be great to have that one plan and this is a great thing for hdmi but you know what we you're right everybody really does have a love hate with hdmi more on the hate side um i'm sorry yeah well i mean some people do they like gonna do today brain hd you get your hd and your surround sound on one connector that's kind of a neat concept but it doesn't – it's not working. And you want to see the hate rain down. Julie Jacobson is friends with one of the guys who developed HDMI, and she put on her personal Facebook page. <laughs> she bumped into him at Cedia or CES, uh, CES, and the hate that rained down. And she's like, wait, wait. This is my personal page. It's a friend. Here, go talk over here about how much you hate him. Yeah. <laughs> but it was just so instantaneous. Like they weren't even being kind. It was like yeah. – the hate that rained down was just not appropriate. But that's the, the passionate dislike of this thing. Is the passionate dislike because there's no captive connector, or is it just the actual transport? Because one of my biggest issues is the fact that, you know what, I can't secure this sucker to save my life. Well, the fact <laughs> of the matter is that you can maintain the standard and put it on a different connector. I mean, it's all encapsulated in a TDMS stream, so what the freak does it matter if it's a square shape, a round shape, or a stinking Cat5 connector? Just give me something that locks and works. And stop encrypting my content. I think that's that's the bigger thing. Right on. That's the bigger thing. I mean, the the captive connector is the sock on the floor argument. You know, when you're married and Mm -hmm. you're really upset and you have an argument about someone leaving a sock on the floor, it's not the sock. It's something else. It's It's when you start cheating on me. of HDMI. (laughs) You know, the EDID requirements and the keys and the this and the that that just makes your life a mess. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, from the I think the general consumer cons uh, perspective is simply confusion. Mm -hmm. You know, it, when when you get a when you get a, a coax cable or a, a component video cable or a S video cable, you plug it in. There is no confusion. It it this is what it does, and that's all it does. But with HDMI, with them changing the standard every year or two, if not more. You know, it, it, you get a cable and it says it's 3D or you, 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 a device, you get your new 3D TV, your new 3D Blu-ray and you put it into a Blu-ray player and suddenly it's not 3D. You're like, well, what is the, you know, why do we have to keep changing these things? Because you don't and have the from, latest service pack. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. You know, and, and, and they just, you know, and, and I don't really think that if it, if it was just if they just put it out and said, this is it, this is what we're going to do. And everybody's got to work within that. And that's that's it. Then I think the, the the public would have you know been much more accepting about the idea. I think you're right. It's it's absolutely right on. I mean, this is what we want. We want one cable. Everybody wants that. It wants to be high definition and audio on one cable. We were all excited when it came out. I remember going to CES and they showed. I think it was a Pioneer booth. They had you know two receivers and uh, you know uh, like a blu-ray or cd player or a bunch of you know like a bunch of components all stacked up on top of each other and they had one connected with you know component video and you know the, all the audio cables that you would need and all that and the other one was eight when you know three or four different little hdmi cables just kind of daisy chained up and it was beautiful you just look like oh man that's so awesome i can't wait for that you know what we didn't know is that we were going to have hcp problem you know lock on problems and you know and, and instead of Instead of being able to switch instantaneously between inputs like we've always been able to do, suddenly we get to switch and wait. Oh, this is fun. I like black screens. <laughs> so soothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think Michael actually probably hit on something jokingly when he said service pack. Part of the problem is the fact that this came to us from computer guys. They love service packs. They love updating things and fixing you know bugs and crap like that. So Or creating bugs. Well, or creating bugs. <laughs> The thing is, I mean, and and I hate to come at this from like you know the use your feelings perspective. I'm being such a girl here, but you know, I I, I look at this. I read this story and I was thinking of my 71 year old mother the entire time, who you know she remembers when you bought a TV, you plugged it into the wall. Yeah, you had to move those rabbit ears around a little bit, but you could watch stuff. And now she has to have a cable box, and she has to have it hooked up. And she has a CTSD for a son-in-law, a CTS for a daughter, and uh, you know two um, IT professionals for for sons. And it took all four or five of us to put the whole thing together when she got the new TV at Christmas. And even then, it's it's flaky. It doesn't always work because this cable is not right, or that plug isn't correct, or she doesn't have the the most recent cable box, or and, you know. And if they start encrypting basic TV. And, and, and restricting it even further for people like her, you know, she just wants her damn rabbit ears back with tinfoil <laughs> yeah. on it. I mean, yeah. and, and you got to think, you know, not everybody has the technical wherewithal that we do. And even with our technical wherewithal, like I said, it took us five of us, you know, half a day on Christmas to hook up our new LCD for, her, you know, it, it, it's it's getting to the point where in, in an effort to make things simpler and in an effort to control the content and protect it from piracy and SOPA and all that jazz that we're, we're overthinking things so much that it's making things a lot more difficult for your average person. And, you know, even what we think of as the average person is really sort of an educated c customer consumer that comes to us for our services. The average, average person doesn't have that much knowledge and wherewithal to, to get things done. Or money. And, 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. and, and we, we need to look at that. You can't – if the FCC is doing its job, I mean, they're there to protect the consumer and to, con, you know, make sure that communications are available for everybody, not just the elite, you know, in Soviet Russia, cable watches you kind of thing. You, you, you don't want them to be too interfering, but you want it to be open to everybody. I mean, it's, a, it's America. It's a democracy, you know, like let the old lady watch TV. Don't encrypt things. Don't charge her extra money that she doesn't have on her fixed income to, you know, come watch. on, you go, girl. Keep going. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, seriously. Preach you know, it. She, she, she just wants to watch Family Feud, for God's sake, yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know what? That, that's just it, though, Don. The advertisers are paying for her to get access to that. And I think that's what pees me off more than anything else about this whole technology and the whole idea of trying to encrypt things that are, you know, I'm not saying, hey, give me my cable for free. But the fact of the matter is you took something that was widely available that had good indoor penetration, analog television. And I'm by no means an advocate of analog. I love digital technology. But we did not deploy digital technology correctly in the United States. And now what happened with the DTV transition, people who once had access to this stuff no longer had access. Okay, so let's get them a voucher. We'll get them a, a TV box. Oh, wait, the signal's not strong enough inside the building. you got to put an outdoor antenna. There's another cost. And a lot of these people didn't understand the fact that they could do that, so they, they felt like they were forced to go buy cable to begin with. And now you're going to take their free-to-air channels that are in the cable system, and you're going to say, oh, wait, you're going to have to pay a $5 a month subscription now to gain access to this. I'm by no means a bleeding heart, but come on. Really? Yeah. Yeah. All right, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is this is a perfect example of a book that I keep at my bedside table, literally called "When When Things Bite Back: Technology and the Revenge of Unintended Consequences." It's by Edward Tenner, and it's a beautiful book about how we make great plans and make these things that say, you know, this is the answer and be all, and we get really. In the and then we get HDMI. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Well, I got one to throw with that, George. The inmates are running the asylum. Hmm? <laughs> that's, that's the name of the show. <laughs> that would describe us, indeed. That would indeed describe us. All right, you're listening to AV Week with uh, Tom Andrew from Down Under. Uh, and I do mean Down Under. He's, he's approximately <laughs> right. 14th. I just, I, a, isn't that a valid right. statement? I just keep thinking of Toto every time you say his name. <laughs> Tom, Andrew, and Toto. Oh, I know Africa, but they oh. say down under. <laughs> that was a total non sequitur. Wow. <laughs> he's 14 hours ahead of us. That means he's the most awake person on this podcast. Right. Uh, <laughs> he's the most, he is the most aggravated person on this pack, podcast because like four, four hours ago, I was supposed to get a beer, and I've been waiting for this podcast to end so I could have one. So believe Dude, don't, me, don't, no one's more anxious than I, I am. Don't, 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 let us, don't let us stop you. Yeah, I mean, it's 8 a.m., and we're, we're already three in. Crack it in. Crack it over. <laughs> Uh, I was about to say, I'm drinking as we speak. I was going to say, George has already had a Bloody Mary by now, so he, he, he sees from the good Lord. We got our mimosas. It's he, cocktail hour in purse. Come on. You know what? It's 5 o'clock somewhere. with you. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. George is from World Stage. Uh, Don Mead is a blogger and consultant. Michael Drainer uh, works for Tech Electronics and, and the aforementioned Tom Andry. Uh, is host of AV Rant and also associate editor. Uh, Audioholics, um, we're going to do something real quick that we do. It's called the AV Week Job of the Week. Uh, this week is uh, if you want a job, need a job, desire a job, don't like yours, go to ravepubs.com forward slash AV Jobs. 
wraithpubs.com forward slash avjobs. Uh, this week's job comes to us from Pepper Dash, pepperdash.com, pepper, and then dash.com, <laughs> the word dash, not the actual dash. Uh, it, they're looking for an AMX and Crestron programmer. Please have at least one uh, certification from one of them. You don't have to have both, but one of them. Uh, they're asking that you have at least a level two training on the other one. Uh, two to three years experience of programming a BA or a BS in uh, computer science or computer engineering would be nice. Uh, some experience doing system designs and stuff. So if that's you and you are in the D.C. area or would like to be in the D.C. area, check out pepperdash.com, pepperdash.com, or go by uh, ravepubs.com forward slash AV jobs. That is the AV week job of the week. Um, all right, this is something that came to us um, from uh, CNET, and it's uh, it's a story about... It's it's artsy, but it, to me, and this is this is kind of where I took it. Uh, it. There's a gentleman who's trying to develop or is developing an interactive um, display where you can interact with art, and the one they're using is Starry Night by Van Gogh. And basically, the, specifically, he's working on on something that's it will let viewers physically touch the screen and stir the the skies of, of Starry Night. Um, where I took this, guys, was this to me is more impressive and more interactive than a 3D screen for digital signage. Um, I, I will make no bones about the fact that I think 3D is dumb. I don't think there's a place for it in, in the industry. I think it's a gimmick. And as we talked with Don, you know, it's been around since, what was it, the 20s, Don? <laughs> it, oh, still, yeah. it still hasn't taken hold. So. Any um, day now. But th- almost there. <laughs> almost there, yeah. Uh, but this guy's taken, basically, he's taken an, an HD screen, and it was 80,000 particles, and made it to where you can physically touch and interact with this with this famous painting. How much cooler would that be if you put, you know, some sort of, of digital signage application in and allowed people to interact with it in, in much the same way? Is that is that better than 3D, or is 3D still going to stick around just because, you know, people are, are stubborn. Michael, what do you think? I think people are stubborn. So 3D is here and I'm screwed. So Pretty much. <laughs> I think it's so much cooler to be able to interact with the stuff than just see it, to be honest with you. Now, once they've had a taste of this, they're going to say, ooh, give me that in 3D. Uh, shut up! <laughs> you know what would make this awesome? 3D. <laughs> Here I thought it was chocolate sauce. <laughs> chocolate we, sauce. We are way well. too delirious this early in the morning, <laughs> <laughs> or late at night, Tom. <laughs> uh, it's the case maybe. Now we around here uh, there are quite a few places that have displays that are low enough for you to go up and touch, and some of them are interactive as well, especially at the the. Um, uh, the cell phone type stores. They'll have like these touch screens and stuff like that. And what you end up having to do with an interactive screen is fight your way through throngs of children who just want to beat on it until right. something happens. And then they're like, there's got to be angry birds in here someplace. So they, you know, they're, they're up there, you know, <laughs> doing their thing. And now, you know, I mean, and, and half of them, however they do it, you know, or, you know, you like half the screens will be like, yeah, system error. You know, I'm sorry, we need a different system on this one so you know (laughs) upgrade on that one kid uninstalled all the drivers somehow and how did service packet woven into this podcast 
I don't know. You're the that. one that brought up Microsoft. I don't know. <laughs> Go ahead, Tom. I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm watching this. I, I watched it, and I thought, wow, that is going to make a great app. I cannot wait to get that on the iPad. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait. It's going to be it's, – it's an amazing thing, and I think it is really cool. Uh, I don't know for digital signage how I see that working. Uh, but that sort of interactive stuff does draw people in. But I, I have to say, if you have a glasses-free 3D display sitting out in front of your place where you walk, where people walk by and they look over and they see 3D, they stop and they walk over to see what it is. You know, they're, having to have somebody stop and figure out that you, if you touch it, something happens is not nearly as uh, as uh, grabbing as as something visual like that is so you just have to That's put a true. sign up that says touch me here <laughs> i have a shirt that says that <laughs> oh my completely it's just but, but no really really think about it. how many people don't know i mean goodness gracious you walk up to a touch panel and it's black how do i turn it on <laughs> you touch the screen that is true. That is true. That you is know? True. I mean, let's get real. Yeah, that's, that's one yeah. of the nice things about Extron's well, touch panels is the fact that they wake up when you when you walk up to them. Yeah. Here's my yeah. here's my question about this is that it said that it was a Connect hack for mm-hmm. our Connect hack add-on for Max in which he was doing this. So that means he's not actually touching the screen. It was just some kind of Connect. It's just an overlay, isn't yeah. it? I mean, essentially that's what it is. Okay, because this is X-Connect, so I couldn't find anything that said it was really touching it. Like, he was actually using maybe a Connect with hand motions and gestures to get this to work. And we know and George loves gestures. Yes, he does. Because <laughs> he's not a gesture. Not a gesture. <laughs> I, not I think a he's gesture. making a gesture right now. Um, <laughs> if I knew George, he'd Marcel probably... Marcel Marceau be damned. <laughs> <laughs> I am trapped um, in the but... box. <laughs> yeah. We love that mom is money, I know. As we degenerate this podcast, is a fire. I don't think I don't think I'm contributing to this podcast at all. To be honest, with you. <laughs> hey, you know what? Fetal position. Sometimes we're just the morning show for the AV industry. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and today it is morning. So <laughs> yes, it is. So does anyone know? Is it a touchscreen or is it no, no, using it, like that? It's, it's not technically a touchscreen. It is based on the Connect, but it, it looks and feels like a touchscreen because it's. Cause oh, okay, like okay, no, 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 no. I, I take exception to what you just said. How does it look and feel like a touchscreen if it's based on Connect? Because you're using your fingers. Okay. <laughs> you said feel. Okay, I'm sorry. Feel. I'm <laughs> terribly sorry for using that word. Oh my God, are, are we getting semantic up in here? Yes, he that's is. Where this thing is going. And I'm for, for a not. dropout of a of a the Christian Bible college. He's not a dropout. Off. I got kicked I'm out. I'm sorry, flunked out of, of Bible college. He's getting awfully correcting with his English. <laughs> that's how wow. I ended up in technology. Don't get too close to the dean's daughter, okay? <laughs> Ouch. And there we are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad it wasn't me. This show, <laughs> uh, and I thought I thought George was the one that looked like Anton Lavey. <laughs> All I right, like I'm just that I do. Next um, story. But no, I, but, no, wait, wait, George wait, isn't done yet. That's the thing. This works. I want to make a point. Please do. To 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 the to the point of saying 3D would draw you in. This kind of stuff with 3D, as much as I hate to say it would draw you in and it will give you an opportunity with digital signage and mobile advertising to be able to draw somebody in even if it is the kids looking for the angry birds episode uh game 
um, mm-hmm. to, to interact with it, if at least briefly. And if you're a smart enough marketer, you can then hook them in. If you're not smart enough, you won't hook them in. They'll just walk away from it. But it looks to me like a very good potential. Just like we talked about the touchscreen that can go inside the window of a store and actually does a touchscreen uh, capability, this may have that same relevancy. And I like well, it for that. That's valid. And, and that's something I was going to say is 3D may catch your eye, but it catches your eye. You look at it, you say, oh, it's 3D, and you keep going. Something like this, it actually engages yeah. the, the mm-hmm. viewer or the end user or the person walking by on the street. So it may not look as flashy, but once they get started, you know, oh, oh, look what I did. Oh, oh, I can open that and yeah. I can move that. And, you know, it, it, it brings more a bigger level of engagement, which, you know, brings that person a little closer to whatever your end goal is, whether it's wayfinding, you know, on an interactive train station map or experiencing what Van Gogh wanted you to experience with this Starry Night interactive thing. Mm-hmm. I, I think I, w- I would much rather have the touch or gesture, God forbid, enabled screen than the 3D one for this application. Uh, and this is where I, we get into that argument, right? I mean, you and I agree on this, then, Don, uh, that for the home, we'd probably be very annoyed by it and start giving it gestures that were uh, n- n- not for a family <laughs> show. But in this case, it would draw us in and we would utilize it without any kind of qualms. Right. Yeah. That yeah. right tool for the right purpose. I, I, I would even use it at home. I mean, you know, heck, we have a, a little thrown together AMX system here at home. And I love my touch screen, you know, rather than buttons. So something that was even more interactive, I would dig it. But I'm not everybody, you know. All right. You're listening to AV Week. Uh, and if you're still listening, thank you. <laughs> Uh, um, Chuck this one up to a partial download. No. <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh, this week, uh, energy conversion devices, and if you don't know who they are, they're, they're a solar company, uh, filed bankruptcy. And this comes on the heels of BP Solar and also Evergreen Solar. Um, the, the, and the reason I, I mentioned the solar stuff, guys, is, is because it's, it's part of, of kind of what we do with, with Green AV and, and how we, we power things. Uh, George, we'll start with you on this one. Is this... Indicative, do you think, of the economy, or is this indicative of the, the business model of solar panel panel manufacturers? And and if so, is it just because it, it's just it's the economy, or is it in, in it maybe in the future this could be a viable uh, business, or is it just the fact that you know n- nobody really does solar panels, and so these guys are going out of business? Well, as to the future, I'll, I'll lay that to Tom. He's in the future right he now. He's in the so future. That, so yeah. Barring that, though. Yeah, there's no um, solar panels in the future. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, look, even – I don't know. I didn't hear if you mentioned Solyndra, but Solyndra is the oh, same yeah. thing. Didn't. What they all got knocked down by was one word, China. Yeah. Cheaper, faster. They got it out there. We're making investments in companies that want to do this, but they don't have – and here's one of the cases where the difference between patent and copyright, intellectual property rights that are very different, should be upheld. That they still had a patent on this technology. They still had something. And what happened with Solyndra and some of these other, you know, these flat panel roll them out companies was the process they were using was a very new technique to get around shortages in materials that were being used for other purposes. And then suddenly China started buying this uh, cheaper material and made it too expensive to use. And then they said, well, we'll make a version of it that doesn't use that. We'll roll them out. There you go. We're undercutting. And I don't want to make uh, you know cash uh, any kind of really bad things on, on the Chinese economic model here in this case, but it's just their natural way of doing things. And you got caught by, you know, the back end. 
oh, we didn't predict anyone would, would, would run the market on this material. And they did. And he got caught. Yeah, and they did. Yeah. I also have a friend who did a PhD study on solar power, and he badgers me constantly about it's never going to work. You're never going to replace it. Here, read, read, this, read my little thesis, or I'll sit down and talk to you. And I'm like, I get halfway through it, and I just get too depressed. <laughs> you have a friend that did a like PhD on, on solar power? Yeah. And you haven't yeah, brought him around? Didn't. I mean, that guy would be fun at parties. <laughs> well, I am never also... going to one of your parties. <laughs> he, he also is. He also writes um, uh, a Dungeons and Dragons type game. Wow! <laughs> nice. So there you go. Complete he, party wrecker. He's, um, not, he's not a stereotype at all. <laughs> oh, I love the brother. I love you if you're listening. I love. You. I do. But poor guy's not here to defend uh, himself. No, he's not. <laughs> but Michael, Michael defend him. You're he not, makes a valid point. <laughs> So not not to kill this story right off the gate there, but yeah, they got killed by their own mismanagement of business and not saying, "Hey, someone might try to get in us too." But no, you you did kind of you you, you answered it with your PhD, buddy. It's never going to work, so the business model won't work. I mean, well, okay, and not this. Okay, this is me being a dumb a dumb American, and, and Tom will appreciate this. Um, you're because in Australia. I'm a dumb American too. Yeah, well, okay. no, you're, you're a dumb American in Australia. <laughs> You guys have a big, dumb. vast thing called We're the Outback. Just elevated you. I'm not quite sure yeah. how that happened, but okay. <laughs> it's a compliment. Spot. Trust me. Uh, you're, you're, you guys have in Australia. You have a big thing called the Outback. Couldn't you just throw a bunch of solar panels out there and, and power the whole com- the whole country? You could dig a hole in the middle of the West Country. I don't think anybody would notice. And I'm not being facetious at all. They're, they literally only live. There's very small pockets within the center of the, you know, anywhere other than around the outside. Everything is near the beach because the center of the country is just you, you, you quickly down under. He's like, we've been on this land for three days. It is like that. There is nothing out there. There's no water. There's, there's the reason why my, me and my wife are here is my wife is an engineer and her company is does geotechnical and civil and that sort of engineering. And there's a huge mining boom. Because no one is out there to complain about the huge holes they're digging in the middle of their country, and uh, and it's it, that, that's why that's why there is right now housing prices were what they were in the states uh, two thousand four two thousand five wow, everything wow. is is just has been going up and up and up and up and up here in Perth, and it's great for us because you know when we were in the states she was struggling to find work literally when we when. They offered her the job out here, and she accepted. You know, the day before, the day that we were her last day of work, they threw her a little party. You know, the goodbye party and that stuff. Same day, they laid off three people. Wow. So, I mean, that's the sort of environment we were leaving, and we came here, and it's just there's just more work. The the jobs that would have been the biggest jobs that she had ever seen back in Florida, where we were living, uh, are stuff that she handles on a daily basis it's just that's pocket change compared to what they spend out here if if you if you talk to anybody that's from uh out of the country uh they're almost always here for either mining or oil wow that's how they got here so yeah you're right they could put a huge uh anything out in the middle and the only problem is getting water and paying people to go out there because it's the labor costs are astronomical uh compared to someplace like any place because i think that okay yeah. no 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 it's just that the labor costs are really really bad because they it's a it's very the government regulates all that and like the minimum wage is somewhere around like 20 dollars an hour or something ridiculous like that so wow. you can't there is everything costs a lot uh to do wow 
And, and you're not getting Peter Garrett all over you about that? You know. <laughs> I'm like, he'd be the one that's the loudest, isn't he? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, you know, the thing is, is that I didn't know. I mean, it's just maybe I'm ignorant, which I probably am. But I didn't know ACDC was a was a Aussie band. And they are huge down here. That's wow. I mean, you cannot go to a party and not hear an ACDC CD. It's like they, they, they play them like crazy. So there you go. Trivia. I should write you to my uh, website. I have my uh, my kids singing "Highway to Hell" <laughs> with air <laughs> guitars. Why am I not surprised? All right, <laughs> you're listening to AP Week. That is Tom Andre from uh, he, he's in Australia. Uh, George Tucker, yeah. Don Mean, and and Michael Drainer. Uh, one last story, real quick, guys. And and I do this because uh, Don is a much better blogger than I will ever be. Uh, actually, so is George. So. Uh, but the thing I, I like about about Don's stuff is, is that it's it, it speaks to a lot of, of my heart, which is education and, and and educating the people that are coming up under us. And, and your your blog post uh, is called "Advice for the AV Noob," um, and basically, and I, I, I kind of want you to to tell me what you're thinking on this, but I'm going to synopsize it. You need to get in the tech heavy courses if you want to stay in this field. Yes, you can, like you did. You you, you were in the, in the marketing and, and stuff like that. Yeah, you can bounce in this field in that, and then you can bounce out of this field. But if you want to stay here and have longevity, you've got to get the technical chops, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, in, you know, I mentioned in the, in the article, in the blog here, you know, last spring, my husband and I left the AV company, the integrator that we were partners with. Uh, we'd both been there over a decade and most of my AV career, definitely most of his for this same company. And when we left that company, you know, we, we'd both been in the AV field almost identical periods of time. We've had most of the same training. We trained in the same company. So it, it's not like we were extremely different. But I was always on the marketing end, the sales end, the, the, the less hardcore tech end, even though I mean I can crimp an end if I have to. I can build a rack, but it's not my bread and butter. Whereas he was always – he started as a tech. He worked his way up to a, you know an, an engineer. He, he, you know He's a designer. He's got a CTSD, and that's the big difference. I've got a CTS. He's got a CTSD. Never lets me forget it. Um, <laughs> And, and, and that's been the major difference. And when we left that company, he was unemployed for approximately 30 seconds. Wow. And, and to this day, even though he's more than happy where he is and, you know, raises and bonuses and blah, 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 he's constantly being called by recruiters. They're, they're, they're calling him. They're saying, are you available? Do you know anyone that's available? Would you like a job? Could, could, would you like a raise? Would you like to come over? You know, <laughs> I mean, he's very much in demand and not just him, but anyone with his skill set. Whereas, you know, I, I mean, I'm blogging and I'm writing and I'm, I'm doing podcasts. And, and, and at the end of the day, I'm sitting here on the couch with my dogs looking at me like, mommy, don't you have a job? Get out of here. You know? <laughs> and, and, and it's it's amazing that. You know, I have a master's degree. I'm, I'm, I'm about two classes away from an MBA. My husband doesn't have a college degree. He's pulling in practically six figures. I'm looking at the dogs. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, it, I, I, I've, I've been on interviews over the past year. Every one of them, they say, you, you know, you have awesome qualifications. You were our second choice. We went with the guy that has a CTSD wow. or, or, the, or, or the gal that, that, that has been in the field doing this. And, and so from my own experience, I'm just telling everybody, get your hands dirty. 
learn Mm -hmm. how to do these things. You know, the stuff that I know is enough to get me to second place. If I had gone those extra steps and gotten my D or done a little more CAD or something like that throughout my training, I would certainly be with my husband somewhere making almost six figures. So, you know, I'm, I'm educating myself. I'm in podcasts and, and webinars and classes with Infocom and NSCA and, you know, doing as much as I can to educate myself through this process. But every time I see someone that's new to the industry, I said, look, honey, I know you want to be a salesperson or a marketing person. Go intern for the summer and build racks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go sit with the designer and offer to do their CAD drawings. Do the, do the scut work that nobody wants to do so that you can get those skills because if you do, you will always have a career even if it's not the career you're necessarily looking for, you will always be working. So, Don, th- those are all huge, huge points. I, as a, a hiring manager with my company, I have the, the darndest time falling, finding qualified people to do the AV work. Um, now, we're a union shop, and so we work out of the local hall for a lot of our installers and technicians and things like that. But project right. managers, engineers, technical salespeople, things like that, it is next to impossible to find qualified candidates who know their craft, especially in the Midwest. I'm finding guys on the coast, but nobody wants to come to the Midwest. Sorry, it's kind of like the outback. It's not just the Midwest, though. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm here in you know Washington, D.C., really? Baltimore. Baltimore, Washington, D.C., Philadelphia. I mean, we're right here in the middle of, you know, megalopolis, as mm-hmm. they call it. And, I mean, the, with the number of recruiters that are calling Harry regularly, right? they're crying for it. They're cry- <laughs> and we're one of the most heavily populated integrator areas with the federal government and all the government contractors here. They're, they're screaming for qualified applicants in this particular niche They're of just our not field. there. They're not and there. They're- Plain and simple. We, we don't we don't have them. No. So you know, I, I, if you're already in the field, go get some classes on this. I you know I was talking with my husband. Let's figure out how I can get me to take the courses and get my CTSD this summer at Infocom. You know, I mean, anything you can do if you have those skills, you will have a job. Right. I mean, you may not immediately walk in at, at, at you know ninety thousand a year or eighty thousand a year, but you will get the job and you will have raises because. You have skills people need. You're not somebody that used to install cable and now want to work in AV yeah. or, or somebody that used to sell you know, insurance. Well, and the demand and is just going to continue to increase, though. I mean, with the, with the converged systems, and I know I use that as a, a cliche term, but the fact of the matter is IT and AV, we are one world now. And yeah. I, I'm meeting with IT professionals on a constant basis who are like, yeah, we don't know AV. We need you guys to handle this part of the project for us. Oh, OK. Right. We'll be happy to do that. By the way, we need your IT guys. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, it's this vicious, vicious circle, and, and we've talked about this on the podcast before about education, and uh, we had a listener take exception to the fact that I made the comment that there aren't any good um, education institutions that provide training for AV professionals degree programs. And there are a lot of programs out there for production, for theater, for, you know, the users of the systems. Who's teaching these guys to design these systems? Who's teaching them to program? Who's teaching them proper project management methodologies and all the skills that go along with that? That's what I need. 
as as a yeah. as a as a hiring agent for a, a good sized integration firm. We got six offices across three states. The applicants I'm getting are are guys that come from little mom pop firms, and there's nothing wrong with that. If you come from a mom pop firm, that's great. You know, you can come into our organization, we can grow you. But some of these guys are so darn backward, it's not even funny. There's no way I could put them in front of a customer. Right. You know, so, and, I mean, it's the people skills that come along with that, too. So all of that, I need that whole package, and I just can't find it. And, and you're God, 100% I would add correct. To that. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, I no, would just ahead. say, I, was, I can add to that real quick, that just the training is not enough. Getting your hands dirty is the issue. I mean, when my first iteration here at the staging company, what was called Sharp Weisberg, now World Stage, um, we hired interns from the trade school. They were unpaid, and they were told they need to be here three days of the week, two consecutive, because that's how you learn. And these guys knew what they had from books, but never had their hands on the stuff. Right. Yeah. And dang, if they didn't get their chance to test the gear, fix the gear, walk the gear. Sometimes it was just walking wireless mics around, but they understood the process with us of how to coordinate 15 channels of RF inside mm-hmm. of a building in the middle of Manhattan. Um, right. And they got their hands on it, and almost – 80% of those kids that we brought in that stayed for more than a month and did it for three months got hired by the company and they could do the job. Right. So they had the education, right. but getting their hands dirty, getting it done. And my proudest moment and one of those is being a mentor is the guy, one of the first interns I hired, quote unquote, is now one of the leading guys for the NHL doing their wireless microphone and RF wow. system. Very nice. nice. Now, he did it all on his own, but he the first instance was him walking around these two microphones at a time for me going one, two. One, two, to make sure I didn't get any interference. And I gave him the books, and he ran with it. You need that mentor, and you need that hands-on. And right. he stayed and did right. stuff, you know. Right. So, yes. Right. And it's the Molly Bloom. Yes, and yes, and yes again. Yeah. Awesome. Exactly. So let's all go out and get our hands dirty today. Let's go break something. Woo-hoo. So, um, real quick, break it and then fix it. Break it and then try it. Yeah, and then, and then fix it. That's how I learn, honestly. Or <laughs> I as learn. I as I do, uh, leave the house for an hour and a half and have my wife call me and tell me that my TV doesn't work anymore. Then <laughs> come back and fix it. Yeah, usually for me, I just walk in and look at the TV and it just works. So I don't know. I'm magical <laughs> like that way. Magic. So. Uh, <laughs> real quickly, the, the, Tom, you've been very very nice. How do people? How how did you end up in 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 Australia? You said you're from California and. Yeah, uh, I ended up here because my my wife's job transferred her out. Uh, it was uh, she has she works for an international uh, consulting firm, so they have offices all over the world. And and because the economy was going so south uh, almost two years ago when we left, uh, she just kept putting her name in for everything with all these caveats. We have three kids, and I got to go for at least you know six months, and blah blah blah, blah all these other things. And they were so desperate for people out here. They said, "Oh yeah, we'll do all that." Yep, wow. yep, come on. And they basically shipped us out here, and we're, we could be here for as long as we want. So you all get your stuff back together over there, and we'll come back. But until then, <laughs> we're gonna stay here. it's going to be a while. <laughs> Just get comfortable there in, in, in Australia. So. All right, well, thank you very much. You can find, uh, you can find Tom um, either at Audioholics or at his podcast, which is, which is the AV Rant podcast. Thank you so much for coming, sir. Thank you for having me. Uh, George Tucker, he is at World Stage. He's the engineering coordinator, but he's also at Tucker Twos on Twitter, tuckertwos.typepad.com. Also a, a rave pub blogger. So, anything you want to uh, pimp or promote there, sir? Not at the moment. We'll talk later. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, one thing. Uh, George's uh, DIY show uh, posted this week on on Wednesday. So, check it out at uh, at the website, which is ravepubs.com. 
forward slash AB Nation. So, uh, Dawn, thank you much, so much for joining us, dear. My pleasure. Uh, she is at AB Dawn on Twitter, and abdawn.com is her website. But uh, her, her blogs are also seen on, on Rave Pub. So, uh, Michael Drainer, he has a website. It's called michaeldrainer.com. Um, I don't know that you've posted anything in the last six years. So. I haven't. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm about as good as bloggers you are. Twitter, uh, Twitter, this, this is my blog. So, um, it's like a, a museum of Michael is what that is. Yes, it is. It I is. wouldn't even say it's not even a collection, it's like an item. <laughs> It's that closet in your basement where you throw things, and you haven't been in it in three years. So. Like, what you know, I, I had the in best of box. I can't remember what I put in that. Bo- oh, it's a blog. That's yeah. right. I had the best of intentions with it, but hey, you know. Yeah. So anyhow, well, you know, if you're, if you're ever if you're ever in the market, there are two people on the other side of this line that kind of do that on the side for business. So just give us a talk, you know. <laughs> yeah. We can yeah, create they, that content for you, no problem. They they know what they're doing, so. Uh, his Twitter is at, at Michael Drainer, <laughs> but uh, the website where he works is Tech Electronics. So uh, check check that out. My name is Tim Albright. If you'd like to follow me, that's that's entirely your purview. Um, Proceed with caution. Yeah, it's at TD Albright, uh, Tim David Albright. But more importantly for me and for everybody here, uh, go to the website, check out this podcast and, and several others. Uh, like I said, George's DIY show posted this week. We've got the daily show we're doing now. Um, sometime in the next week, we're going to have the AV so the second AV social posting, uh, mm-hmm. the education show, uh, other stuff. Oh, and um, sometime here in the near future, uh, the women in AV, um, uh, I believe, are going to start doing some stuff. So uh, that would be cool. <gasps> so, uh, so the website is ravepubs.com forward slash AV Nation. Ravepubs.com forward slash AV Nation. Thank you so much for listening. That's all the time we have for AV Week. <laughs>